On this episode, we discuss the fifth episode of season two, Westworld, Akane no Mai. Felix, I don't think we're in Sweetwater anymore. What do Dill and Joe think of Shogun World? Tune in as we pour it all over. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Pour Over Podcast, hosted by myself, Joe, and Dill. Each week, we bring you our thoughts on a certain episode of a TV show, and most importantly, chit-chat about the very things so many of us depend on each morning. Coffee. So, what up, man? How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Glad to be recording. Uh, I realize this is our 20th episode of the podcast. Wow. So, you know, we've been at it for a little while now, but yeah, that seemed like an important milestone, even though it's just that's, 20, but, you know. That's quite an achievement. Yeah. We've been going pretty strong, too. Yeah, yeah. Only missed one week, so now, you know, in a little bit we'll be, like, to the half half year mark, like six months, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, exciting. Exciting times. So, what do we do on a 20th episode? <laughs> Same as always, I guess. <laughs> talk about Westworld, talk about coffee. All right, same thing we do every night. Yeah, yeah you know. But yeah, how's uh, how's your coffee been this week? Uh, coffee and uh, coffee's been okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's not the coffee talker right now. I I, I didn't have a whole lot of coffee today, actually. Ooh. Yeah, we um we actually had a two hour delay at school, so um I kind of took my time in the morning, and I actually drank all my coffee before I went to school. Oh wow, that's a that's a rarity. Yeah, I usually get to nurse it throughout the day, but um not this time. Yeah, yeah. Did Did you enjoy being able to drink it at home versus having to take it to the office? Not really. I kind of like just chugged it down. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I could have taken my time for sure, but it's like that feeling of I still got to be somewhere kind of thing. Mm. And so I was, I felt like when I made it, I was like, I put it into a regular mug and then I didn't want to wash the mug. So I was like, I'm going to just drink it here and then like, you know, wash the mug and then wash the tumbler. So I was like, I'm going to just drink it here and then peace out to go to work. Yeah. Um, But... No, my brews have been pretty good. Um, I've been on the AeroPress thing for a while, and um, I finally tried the Wave today after probably about two months of not doing any oh, pour wow. overs. Yeah, and it sucked. <laughs> it tasted so bad. Really? Why? What happened? Oh, I don't know. I wish I had the words to describe it. Um... I, I, uh, I don't know. I grinded the beans to what I think was like a medium fine. Um, these are the Kona beans. And then I did my, um, 30 second bloom. But I think my whole pouring like mechanism in my wrist was off because Mm. I'm not used to those circular motions anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's something I guess you do have to practice. Um, and so I might have under extracted. Yeah, I definitely under extracted, uh, cause it tasted really sour and, um, usually I don't get sour notes. Mm-hmm. I usually over extract stuff. Um, and so it just wasn't very tasty. Mm. 
That is a bummer. Yeah, kind of, kind of stinks, but I'll try and get back on it tomorrow morning. And um, I'm starting to use my timer more, so mm. I'm like timing my pours and definitely timing the uh, bloom. Um, nice. Yeah, so hopefully that makes it a little bit more consistent. And then, like you know, I've been doing the coffee journal, um, so I'll. I didn't write one this morning, uh, probably because I felt so defeated. But I'll definitely write one tomorrow. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. What about you, man? How have your brews been? Um, yeah, this past week was a little bit of a struggle for coffee. Not not just coffee in general, but coffee was, you know, a, a, a casualty of, of my circumstances. I, I, I got mm-hmm. po- uh, food poisoning earlier this week. Oh, shoot. Or last week at this point. Um, so I... You know, I think on the last episode, I was saying how I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be home. I'm excited to get back to brewing coffee and all that <laughs> stuff. Right. And I think I made one cup at home. It may be similar to your uh, wave experience. My my first pour over back home tasted really bad. Mm. Um, and I think partially is like all my gear was like super dirty and like I needed to clean it all out and stuff. Okay. But um. After that first cup, which was not good, I got food poisoning that night, or it mm. hit me that night. So I, I didn't really drink coffee for like a week, basically. Right. Uh, maybe like five days, but yeah, so it was kind of kind of a sad time for coffee. But on the weekend, I did, um, I, I had a meeting at Mudleaf, one of the local coffee shops, and for some mm-hmm. reason, they gave the person I was meeting up with. They gave them two coffees. Oh, um, even though they only ordered one. So yeah, at that point, I was like, I was more so just being safe in terms of not drinking coffee for my stomach. But mm-hmm. I was like, since he got it for free, you know, might as well. And <laughs> it is fine. But okay, yeah, yeah. So you know, the the week didn't start out too good, but ended a little bit better. Yeah, that's good. Do you think yeah. you had some kind of um, food association thing going on to where you didn't want to drink coffee because you were like averse to the, you know, stomach uh, bug that you had? Yeah, I, I think it's more so like because coffee is acidic. I, I didn't want to upset my stomach again because, you know, mm-hmm. pe- people I had food, food poisoning before, like this is my first time, I think. I'm not 100% sure, but... It, it was not okay. a good night, basically. So I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want nothing to come and bring me back to that point. So I, I like didn't eat for yeah. two days. Um, I mean, I wasn't really hungry either. Dang! But I just like eat crackers during Gatorade for like two days straight. Even on the third day, I was like, I don't know, I'm probably fine, but just trying to play it safe. So you're on that brat diet. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> you know, I would have some congee sometimes, but a lot hey. of saltines. Drank like two gallons of Gatorade. Um, yeah, not not too bad. That's good. That's good. Yeah, would not recommend it though. The food poisoning would not recommend getting sick. Yeah, but hey, you know it, it helped me lose a few pounds. So if that's uh, people's wow. goal, it, it worked wonders. Yeah. Now you're really getting ready for that wedding. 
Yeah, yeah, dude. You know, I got, I got to make sure I fit in the suit. <laughs> uh, when, when I went to pick up the suit for, for the wedding, because I mean, Joe and I are going to be in a wedding soon, I, mm-hmm. I picked up the suit from the tailor, and I was like, hopefully I still fit, because I gave it to them before the holidays, and oh, then I picked right. it up after the holidays, and I was like, eh, I don't know, but I, I think I think it's all right. <laughs> yeah, just coffee weight. You'll sweat yeah, it yeah. off. So, you uh, re- ready to get into the episode discussion this week? Let's get it. Cool. So, like I said at the top of the show, we're talking episode uh, four. <laughs> I just don't know what episode this is. Oh, <laughs> we're talking five. episode five of season two, Akane no Mai. So, I'm, I'm going to read a quick summary of the episode. Here it goes. Carl Strand continues to investigate the massive hosts that were discarded in the reservoir, and the security team discovers that one-third of the hosts have had their entire programming erased. In a flashback, Dolores and Teddy find themselves in Sweetwater once again. Dolores shares to Teddy a memory of how her father handled a herd of cows sickened by blue tongue, to which Teddy replies that he would care for the sick cows rather than slaughtering the weak. After a passionate night at the Mariposa, Dolores lures Teddy to a slaughterhouse and shares that his decency is a liability to what she seeks to accomplish. Other hosts restrain him and Dolores adjusts the parameters of his personality against his will, possibly permanently changing him forever. At the edge of the park, Maeve and the gang are taken hostage by Musashi and are brought to Shogun World, which looks eerily familiar to Sweetwater. Lee shares that certain shortcuts were taken in writing the narrative for the Edo Japan-themed park, including doppelgangers of Sweetwater characters. Maeve and company find themselves in a narrative of Shogun World, where the local shogunate terrorizes the town and forces the geisha, Akane, to give up her dearest Sakura. While being attacked by ninjas, Maeve learns of her ability to control other hosts, seemingly by mind control, and saves the group from the sneak attack. Sakura is abducted in the fight and the group is forced to go after her. While the Shogun while at the Shogun's base, Sakura is brutally killed by the Shogun, and Akane performs the dance instead, only to get close enough to the Shogun and decapitate him with a concealed dagger. Maeve lifts up a katana and prepares for the onslaught of samurais, ready to use her newfound power. Mmm. All right. Yes, Finally, we get to power. see Shogun World. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Shogun World. Hmm. Where have you been all my life? I've always <laughs> wanted to meet you. <laughs> Not. <laughs> yes. Just kidding. It wasn't that bad. What did you think about the episode, man? Episode is okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think that it didn't do a lot for the overall narrative of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it was cool, like to see Shogun World. You know, I think basically the, my my takeaway for the for this episode is that it was a display of how good the Westworld crew is at doing what they do. Because mm-hmm. you yeah. know, they, I thought they did a really good job in terms of you know just Shogun World itself. But mm-hmm. like I, I for the whole time I was just kind of wondering like why, you know, like mm. why why are we doing this? Uh, I feel like it's not really helping much. So right. as a whole episode was just okay. 
I don't think it really moved anything forward and didn't present significantly new things. So, yeah, I don't know. What would you think? Yeah, um, well, really quick, you said in previous pods that you liked when the writers show us different environments in Westworld. Yeah, um, yeah. So what makes this one a little different? I just, I I like it when, it, I, hmm, I might sound contradictory, but I, I think I like <laughs> it in them showing us newer places because it feels like, you know, we're exploring new things, getting exposed to new new things, but like those are usually only small parts of the episode. Mm-hmm. Whereas like this Shogun World was basically the whole episode, and right. what seems like maybe even more, like next episode at least for Maeve's story. Right. Mm-hmm. And since it was such like a big deal, um, but at the same time, I felt like it didn't do a lot for the story. I, I just didn't enjoy mm-hmm. it that much. I think I like seeing other things almost as like small, like Easter eggs or like little, little like cherry on top kind of thing. Right, right. But this whole thing, I was like, wow, the, the amount of effort they put in, but also like the amount that I feel like it didn't really do much for mm-hmm. the story. I just think there's kind of a mismatch there. So mm-hmm. I mean, it was cool, like just to experience it, just to sit it was and cool. be like. Yeah. Wow. They they really went into the details and like, um, I appreciated all the effort. Um, yeah. But then in terms of the story, I was like, I don't think this really added much. I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely went really detailed, and even in the uh, behind the scenes clips, they were talking about how they took so much inspiration from old um, samurai movies and really. Um, getting to that parallel of westerns and samurais, and this episode definitely showcased that, uh, just that admiration of the westerns from the samurai side, I mean the Japan side, and then the admiration of Japanese movies from the western American side. Um, yeah, and I would definitely agree with you that like this is a different environment, but it almost feels a little bit cheap because it's like... They took a very small idea from season one and really extrapolated it, extrapolated it, extrapolated it, uh, expanded it to like a level which I don't think was necessary for the series. Um, like it was cool, like to see SW and like to see the shoguns like fight the samurais fighting each other in season one. Like, oh, that's a like you said, an interesting like like little um, Easter egg. But I don't know if I really wanted a whole episode on it, let alone probably a whole another episode uh, in episode six about it. Yeah, so I like at this point, like the amount of effort they they put in to build the whole set. I'm like, you know, if I were them, I would at least dedicate a few episodes to this, if not more, um, just because the amount of work it, it took. And that whole behind the scenes, I think, was. Well, it was cool to see. I think it was almost necessary for me to kind of hear from from their side because I was just watching it and I'm just like, eh. But, you know, seeing the amount of effort they put in, I, I feel like this episode was more fun to make than to watch, maybe. Mm, maybe. Um, and is is like, 
it's almost like they were flexing because they're like, oh, we can, you know, we, we, we're, we're so good at making the sets and all this and all the little details. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they are. And, yeah. But at the sure. same time, I was just like, you know, maybe it's just me because I'm not as into Westerns and like Japanese um, feudal kind of era shows, but. Like what? What mm-hmm. that the writer or was talking about? Like the all the parallels between the West and and those Japanese shows. I'm like, uh, I guess. I mean, I I, I don't really get <laughs> didn't that connect necessarily, to but it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, this episode. I th- I think we we should probably move on from this, but um, it just felt kind of cheap. Like I said, kind of too easy. Um. You know, even when they were trying to be kind of meta and talked about how Lee was copying the storyline from or the narratives from Sweetwater and putting it into Shogun World, I was like, okay, man, like, I, I like I get that, like that's kind of funny, but I don't know, it just seemed kind of unnecessary. Mm-hmm. What did you think about? Well, I mean, did you like the the quest that they went on? You know, and you know, what did you make of all that? Uh, you know, going out and saving, trying to save Sakura, and then Maeve teaming up with her doppelganger. Like, did you like the? Or maybe the bigger question is, do you like the? Sh- do you like the direction the show is going with Maeve's gang right now? Yeah, I think I this. I I already sort of felt like like I, I think we might have mentioned it in a previous episode where I was just like I don't know if I totally understand Maeve's motivation for going to try to save her daughter like like I like I get it but then mm-hmm. her choosing basically not to escape and then like staying at the end of season one and then I think that kind of feeling of just like not really understanding is just like amplified through this mm. I'm like she's still trying to go save her daughter that seems very important oh. to her yeah. But then she's fine and she's like down with just sitting and like chilling right. with all these people, you know? Going on these side quests. Yeah, I'm like, what? Because, you know, when she ran into Dolores in a previous episode, she's like, you know, she's not, I got stuff to do. I'm, I'm not trying to fight your fight ton of, kind right. of thing. But then she goes and does this right now. <laughs> so I'm just like, uh, I yeah. feel like she, she doesn't know, I guess, like, not, not that she doesn't know what she's doing, but. Mm-hmm. It just seems conflicting in the writing and like the direction they're trying to take it. Mm-hmm. So like I, I think I need to try to take this episode almost as a standalone. Mm-hmm. I think that would kind of help my bias because mm-hmm. I, I think they're just they're trying to show I don't know like I, I think they said in the in the behind the scenes is like oh yeah you know universality like we're all just people, we, we have the same stories kind of thing, like, <laughs> these literally, there's a Maeve, and then, like, there's another, there's a Japanese version of her, literally, same story. Um, right. But, like, like the, what they were trying to do, I feel like it was just kind of lost on me. Um, yeah, sure. But, like, no, I, I would agree. As, as the story itself, is cool, like, you know, is very graphic, and, and pretty gruesome, and I think they they made they they painted the world of Shogun World just fine, like, mm-hmm. and it's that, I was like I, I didn't expect when um, Akane went and basically decapitated the Shogun guy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, right. oh shoot, that was a little like, extreme. She, 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 she like 
shows her kind of like sawing. And I was like, it Dang. was a slow cut. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was not, it was not a clean kind of, yeah, incision. It was. Yeah. And then he stands up and I was like, what? I was like, what actually happened? Well, I guess he's a host, so maybe it would. Like, <laughs> with a person, I, I don't know if that would happen. But. Right. Yeah. So it's like everything about Shogun World is like, oh, it's cool. Mm-hmm. But that is kind of where it ends for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how you felt while watching it or, you know, maybe taking it as its own story, but. Yeah. I don't yeah, I don't I don't know. And this might be some of my you know, Asianness coming out, but I think for some audiences, like particularly white otaku weeaboo audiences <laughs> might watch this episode and be like, Oh my god, this is like my my nerdy wet dream. I've always wanted to go to Shogun World. <laughs> <laughs> and like for me, I was like Okay, you know, just like, hmm. And then, and then when they said, uh, you know, Shogun World is like even more intense, and it's, it's like, it's like sweet water, but uh, you know, the next level. I was like, well, isn't that kind of contrary to what you're trying to share about universal, universe, universality, and and things like that? Like, I mean, it might seem more gruesome and brutal, but they're just using different weapons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they, they're coming from a feudal culture where like people, there's no, but I don't know, maybe that's, that's, maybe that's kind of me, you know, it's like, it's not that deep, but I don't know for me, uh, just wasn't a big fan and is not, and I am not a big fan, I guess, of where they're taking Maeve. I understand that Maeve was captured by the Samurais but maybe this is what you were kind of hinting at. Um, it's not really Maeve's choice to be out there, but it's definitely the show's writer's choices to put Maeve out on this kind of, you know, sidewinding mm-hmm. kind of um, goose chase. Um, I'd like, I'd just like her to kind of get her actual, you know, her motivation going, you mm-hmm. know, and, and not not have all her scenes feel like fillers. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's definitely. I think that's that's a good point because I don't know. I I already like you know with, with Westworld. I'm already invested in that world. Like I I want to mm-hmm. see more of that. And I'm like I I just this is just so extra. You know, <laughs> and it just feels so unnecessary. Um, right. Yeah, and then, and then the whole like just the continued development of her like Mave powers that aren't really explained, mm. um, mm-hmm. especially in this one. Never where explained. I just, you know, like her being able to command them by voice and all that. Like, okay, I guess. Like, I I, I can I, I can drive with that. Um, mm-hmm. But now she's like straight mind controlling them with her eyes. Mm-hmm. I'm just yeah. like, uh, you know, that just coupled with. I feel like the unnecessary aspect of just Shogun World as a whole. Mm-hmm. Just like, uh, this is just going like way out there. And right. I, I just I just feel like the writers of Westworld are better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, Come on, yeah, Westworld. <laughs> she just keeps having like super cheesy like like one liners at the end of the episodes too, I feel like. Uh huh. 
Um, this one, she's yeah. like, oh, I have a new voice. Now it's time to use it. And she's holding <laughs> a, a katana. I'm like, uh, don't, Dude, don't, don't do that. Man, did you know that um, Fandy Newton got nominated for some acting award for this episode? Really? Yes. Huh. And um, this episode as a whole was like 97% on, I think, Rotten Tomatoes or oh, some wow. some aggregate uh you know, a rating site. And I just can't understand that. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know why like after, cause I, I watched the episode before you did. And remember you like asked me about it and I was just like, I'll just let you experience it. Cause I, 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 I th- because it was still really well done. I think it still has that Westworld mm-hmm. quality to it. Um, yeah. So I, after when I was done, I was like, I didn't really like this episode. But I think I can see that a way for other people that would really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like like you were saying, maybe even people because the I forget if it was the director or the main writer, the the guy that made the show. You know, no he, for him growing up, he talked about how he watched you know westerns and then yeah you know, the Japanese films and stuff, and like this just seemed like a culmination of something that he's always wanted to do. Um, which okay. I think a lot of other people could identify with. I just don't right. really. So, like, because it was still done with Westworld quality, like, it wasn't, like, bad. Um, mm-hmm. I think I could see why people liked it. But, like, 97%, though, that's pretty high. Mm-hmm. In my yeah. opinion. <laughs> Man, maybe we're just haters. I, I don't know. I'm definitely a hater. I'm not going to lie about that. I mean... <laughs> This episode had a lot of cringy and um, uh, unnecessary moments in it. I mean, another one we could just talk about real quick is, did you know that to control other hosts, you have to speak their language? (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I mean, what? But then also Lee also just said they, all the hosts speak all the languages. Right. Yeah. And I was like, and then What? Wouldn't Lee know the languages too because he's developing them? I mean, like, it would be foolish for him and like other technicians not to speak all the languages in Westworld or in the you know Delos world. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, maybe they have like translators. Like, like for for the, I could like kind of see that gray area maybe. But I mean, also as, as as like the head writer, like at least to have some working knowledge of the culture and mm-hmm. the language would make sense. But then, right. like, the hosts, they, they do know all the languages because the way he tested them was he talked to them and they didn't switch to English. Mm. And so he was like, oh, okay, well, whatever's going that. on in Westworld is also going on here. Mm, so that's right, that's like, right. Uh, well, they they should understand then, but <laughs> I don't know. You but, but you keep making up rules, Lee. You just, you know, you just keep changing the game. That's That's cool. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Um, but shout outs to uh, Felix, man, getting that check for being the Asian guy on this episode <laughs> and then coming up being, being that he's a uh, hunk from Hong Kong. He's Cantonese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he showed a little bit of life there, you know, he's, he's, he's like, you know, got, got, got a little bit of attitude. I, I right. respect that. Yeah. So oh. I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it was all good. Like I, people obviously liked it. It's just... It just wasn't really for me. Um, yeah, I think maybe that's 
That's where I should leave it. it sounds fair. Yeah. Um, I think maybe the second biggest thing for me in this episode was just the whole Dolores arc mm. and just that she's cray cray now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the whole time I just kind of, because it's like a bunch of scenes with her and Teddy like doing stuff or whatever. And I was just like, I, I feel like they were leading me on to think mm-hmm. that she's about to kill him. Yeah. Like over and over. I was like, oh, all right, this is it. She's going to shoot him or oh. like something. Wait, so you 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 were onto that when he, he she was taking him to like the tree and all that. I, it just like to like it just the field off, and the tree, you know. Yeah, like like I'm uh, yeah. I, I wasn't really sure what was gonna happen. I just assumed because I think I already was thinking that she was gonna do something to punish him. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, so like oh, all yeah, the different scenes, right. it just like fell off like the vibe that she was giving. And so, but then, but then they, they like have sex and stuff. And I was like, well, I guess it's fine. Yeah, they um, made it up. So I, I was a little confused, a little, a little, a little thrown around, I guess. Um, yeah. Mm. But what, what were you thinking during some of those scenes? I mean, honestly, I was kind of zoning out. I wasn't that invested in the scenes leading up to, well, I mean, I'm not, not the sex scene, but like leading up to. <laughs> When when Teddy got uh, basically got his brain erased, that's that scene though that one scene where she led him to the slaughterhouse. I was like, oh man, this is probably the best scene in this ep- in this episode. Mm. Um, it just felt so creepy and so um, just like straight out of like a a horror movie by Stephen King or something or a book by Stephen King. Um, so yeah, I mean. I think Dolores is um, the antagonist of this series right now. Mm. Ooh, that's a that's a big that's a big statement. Well, I mean, either she's the antagonist, or there's something going on behind the scenes, like that she's not really acting this way, acting this evil out of her own choice. That maybe. She has been programmed from the very beginning, like we've been kind of talking about, like maybe Ford is controlling her, or maybe she really is still struggling with the whole Wyatt thing, but I don't know, this episode really made me feel like she was definitely full-on evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the whole, I, I think it gives that vibe partially, because like, I feel like evil or like maybe, you know, the the bit the villains, they kind of have a certain level of like showmanship in their presentation about different things. <laughs> yeah, and she, right. she straight takes him to the slaughterhouse and there's she like does, yeah. like a rotting carcass there. And I was like, Oh right. you know <laughs> Did you plant like, that? She, she didn't have doors? to do that. Um, <laughs> so and she's like I, I yeah. And then all the all the people come out and grab him and I was like, Teddy, no, Oh man, for real though. Yeah, she like straight used him. You know, I thought maybe because because like right before they go into the slaughterhouse, I I think Teddy's I mean, it's Teddy, so maybe maybe I just give him like it's fine if he says cheesy lines or something. But mm-hmm. he's like, you know, we like saw each other or something. You know, we like made <laughs> yeah. a connection. Um, and she's like, yeah, but then she goes and does that. So, yeah, I feel like definitely she's kind of has this ulterior motive kind of underlying motivation kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I'm curious what what they're gonna do to him, and like what yeah. like what the story's gonna do with that, you know? Because because the programmer, he's like, this might you know forever mess him up or change him in some irreversible mm-hmm. way. And they don't. I mean, they don't show us what happens. So I'm I'm curious. I guess. Yeah, I mean, they don't show us what happens in the in the immediate time frame, but then they do show us a basically decommissioned Teddy mm. in the um, you know, you know, what I'm talking about in the yeah. uh, the trash area. Yeah, that's in like the presence kind of, I guess, with like Bernard or whatever. Yeah, with Bernard and Strand, and yeah. Yeah, so he, you know, Teddy makes it to to the valley. I guess is the implication <laughs> there, right? Um, right. Yeah. So I'm. Yeah, I'm also. I'm like wondering, like, what they're changing that could have such a, a negative, you know, impact on him. Because it seems like they kind of they, they upload different characters and stories, and like they can change their personalities pretty aggressively without mm-hmm. having strong uh negative consequences so i'm like mm-hmm. what's different about what they're doing here are they like straight erasing like who who teddy is mm-hmm. um instead yeah. of just like altering I, I don't know yeah i i think i heard of two theories one is that she's trying to fuse a another character into his mind or um she's just trying to create a blank a blank slate entirely mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe she's trying to inject like Wyatt's personality into his mind Mm. or, you know, maybe she really does erase Teddy completely and that's the same Teddy we see in the Valley uh, Beyond. Yeah. Mm. Just kind of discarding him. Yeah. I I think, I think this does still show though that she still cares about Teddy because um, hmm. the easiest solution is just to kill him and leave him. Mm-hmm. But she chooses to go through all of this to at least in some way, whether if it's just the physical form, like keep Teddy around. <laughs> um, like she's, oh. I, mean, so she, she, I mean, she's like a bit unstable, sure. But at the same time, it's like she somehow weird convoluted way is showing that she still cares. Um, right. Instead of just mm, you know just like, burning him as yeah. like her dad did with all the cows or the blue tongue or whatever. Uh, That's true. Yeah. So, I, so I she's she's a confusing, confusing character, Dolores. Yeah, I mean she's connected to him like she's connected to her dad mm-hmm. in the physical form. Like I think that's why she still wants Teddy around because she associates Teddy as like maybe this person of comfort for her. And like of nostalgia, but can't have Teddy around as someone who she can trust as like a an ally in her plans. Yeah. Um. Maybe she just wants to keep him around because she can like have sex with him and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> True. She's hmm. cray, man. She's she's really sinister. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting, you know, kind of going to. A conversation we had a couple of episodes ago because it's like I, I think the man in black is slowly becoming more of a positive character 
And now Dolores mm. is becoming like the the evil villain. So it's like some some, oh, yeah. some role reversal there. I mean, the Man yep. of Black is still trying to play it off like he's evil and and whatever. But I think oh, but, just the different portrayals. Yeah. Like he saves Lawrence's family. Dolores here is like recoding Teddy in a slaughterhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so the presentations of them is just like really different from when we first started. Right. Yeah. I see another um another parallel or maybe another dichotomy in Dolores wanting to literally uh change Teddy's mind versus Maeve who could actually get uh could actually use mind control and uh kind of manipulate Akane's story, but instead mm-hmm. she lets Akane do what she wants to do. Hmm. So like Dolores, like, is trying to control people while Mavis has actually the ability to control people, but she does not. Yeah. Yeah, at first I I thought Maeve was going to do some, like, like resurrection thing and, like, tell Sakura to get up <laughs> and, like, it'd be all fine. But then I was like, well, oh, well, I mean, she just make everyone kill themselves instead, I guess. Yeah. And she could have pulled a like a Lazarus there, huh? <laughs> They're just gonna let Sakura die. What did you think of um I mean I guess this is kinda of backtracking a little bit, but going back to the Carl Strand stuff, um what what do you think the implications are of the one third of all data in those hosts or one third of all the hosts have like lost her data? Yeah, I thought that was really a random like thing to throw out there is it was, it was at the mm-hmm. beginning of the episode and they just kind of like let that be and then just never really revisited. Um, so I, I assume it will come up later on because, but he's basically mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, a third of our intellectual property is gone. And then, you know, mm-hmm. for some reason, all the backups are destroyed too. Um, yeah. Which one I was like, I don't think they'd only have one backup. Like, I, I don't know if that's what they said. But right, it's like they gotta have. They showed else. a picture of one place. So, but I mean, you know, maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. there's there are many, many backups. Um, but I, you know, I, I guess the overall like, um, kind of, kind, kind of narrative is that all the intellectual par- property is being kept at Westworld. Mm. Um, because they're they're trying to get it out. That's kind of what Charlotte Hale's doing, or like was trying to do with Peter Abernathy. Right. So I guess maybe that that maybe was part of like the agreement with Ford or something where like all the host mm. data stays on site. Um, but you know the fact that a third of it's gone at, at this point, um, I think it, it, there could be a couple of different implications there. Like one, obviously, like them trying to search for Abernathy, like that search is much more important now because I mm-hmm. think I. I guess i assume that he has all of it in there or Mm -hmm. something um but also i think what it could be because because bernard said he killed all the hosts you know like he Mm -hmm. wherever the present is he kind of caused that to happen with all the hosts and like Mm -hmm. so maybe there's some information there about like maybe what ford wanted like if he's still influencing bernard in terms of, mm. like, trying to get all that data wiped or, like, somehow not into Delos's hands. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so maybe it's yeah. saying something about what Ford's end game is, or maybe just Bernard's motivation too, if he's acting of his own free will. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know what that would mean, mm. you know. So I think that's still like one of the biggest questions. Yeah. Well, we haven't seen Charlotte in a while. Um, and now that you're sharing that, I wonder if she's even on the same team as Carl Strand because um, she didn't, I mean, like aside from maybe a couple scenes in the beginning of the season, she didn't really interact too much with him. And if she's trying to smuggle Abernathy out and, and maybe this is, I mean, and this is probably a different timeline too, mm-hmm. but um <laughs> Yeah, I just I feel like maybe Charlotte is not on Strand's team. Mm. Maybe he's maybe maybe she's on Ford's team or something. Huh. And that Ford was also trying to get the data out through Abernathy. Oh yeah, that's interesting. That's true. I think I, I was thinking. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's the first episode of the season, but where she and Bernard go to the lab the first time or something, and she's trying to get, like, backup after the gala incident. She's like, yo, come save us kind of thing. And mm. they're like, no package, no backup. Um, and oh. then I think I one of my questions, because then it, fla- it flash forward to the present, and then Delos is all over the park. Like, they're everywhere. Mm. And so I was like, oh, does that mean she she got him out? But then she didn't. So maybe what you're saying is correct. Like, she is somehow working for a separate, like, sect of Delos mm-hmm. somehow. Because, um, yeah. I mean, Carl Strand, we, we don't we don't know that much about him. We don't but know he basically just kind of seems to be, like, the Delos um, reaction is, like, trying to maintain control, kind of get everything right. back to the way it was. Whereas right. Charlotte Hale is kind of on the separate mission, which she's already been on for even before all this happened. Right. Um, yeah. So that, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I don't, yeah. We, I'm sure we're going to get a little flavor of it next episode of where Charlotte is and going to hopefully jump back to Bernard because, you know, they definitely left us on a very, with uh, you know the the riddle of the sphinx stuff left us at a very juicy point in mm-hmm. the developments of kind of the whole quest for immortality and really i think what was the uh main storyline in westworld right now so hopefully we get back to that in episode 6 yeah yeah maybe maybe that adds to my bad taste in my mouth of Shogun World too because they, they just have this like huge storyline going with Bernard and they like mm-hmm. straight up swerve to this other thing and I'm like wait what? Um, yeah. Which is kind of what they've been doing all along with all the different characters but yeah it just feels so far out there. For sure. Yeah you know I, I just had to put I... one, one more uh, dig at Shogun World in there <laughs> at the end. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll have more. If not next episode, the episode after, whenever Maeve's story continues. Right, right. Yeah. We will see. We'll see if there's a payoff for this. Yep, yep. Well, I, I guess I'll wrap up our conversation on Westworld for this week. You know, we'll be back at it next time, see where the story goes, see what happens with all the different characters. 
But for the time being, uh, we'll end the episode as we always do with the question of what's making you happy this week. So, Joe, what's making you happy? What's making me happy this week um, are gifts. Um, I think I might have posted on my Instagram. I don't know if anyone follows me who's listening to this, but I got some coffee from um, the aides at my middle school. And, uh, well, just one aide. She's from Panama. And we did like a little gift exchange. And I gave her some oolong tea from Taiwan. And then just last week, she gave me um, a bag of uh, Panama coffee. Ooh. So, yeah, that's making me pretty happy this week. Very cool. And have you had it yet? I have not tried it. Yeah, I, I was going to say I, I might try brewing it tomorrow. Mm. Very yeah. cool. Yo, that's, that's that cultural exchange right there. Uh, I like that. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Love those cultural experiences. Yeah. What about you, man? Yeah. Uh, for me, this past weekend, uh, a friend of mine, two two friends of mine, actually, uh, got married. So I got to Ooh. go and see and um, celebrate with them for that. Uh, you know, like, I mean, we, we said we're, we're going to a wedding later this week, too. So I, I just got, yeah, I got so many weddings, weddings, on weddings. Um, this year. It's not, it's not, it's no joke. Uh, probably next it's year too, but <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's always nice, you know. Weddings, I feel like, are a nice reunion for for those who are uh-huh. attending, um, but also just like an overall celebration for some good friends. And so I I really appreciated it, and uh, you know the the food was pretty on point. Um, oh, just nice. to bring it back to food. I, I I didn't know this <laughs> apparently though because this was a Korean wedding. Both both of my friends are Korean, and what they do I guess is that all the Korean aunties in the church like cook all the food. Oh, so wow. all the all the food at the reception and stuff is all homemade by you know uh, people in the church or you know different family members oh, and stuff. And it was it was great, you know, better nice. than some you know random catering kind of kind of deal that some weddings have. So I I really really appreciated it, and yeah, it was a good time. Got to hang out and celebrate. So which you know what we'll do again later this week. Yeah, the fun never stops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, for sure. Well, I guess that wraps up our episode for this week. Uh, thanks as always for pouring it over with me, Joe, and thanks everybody for tuning in. This was the Pour Over Podcast. You can um, email us at pouroversshow at gmail.com. You can now also find us on Instagram. And we'll be posting, yes, podcast updates every once in a while. I will probably post one today, the day we record. Also, as always, you can find Daniel Liu's artwork on his Instagram at herecomesdaniel. Music is by Joshua Yin. You can listen to him and his other tracks on soundcloud.com slash kidmajestic, one word. Um, Thanks for joining us, and take care. Yeah, yeah, yeah.